This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Good morning. So love is a word that gets thrown around a lot in this culture. I just love coffee. I love dogs. I love how you do so-and-so. I would love to go to Costa Rica. It's also the word that we use to verbally express our, our deepest, most intimate feelings toward those that we call our loved ones. And definitely those warm feelings of, of loving and of being in love are amongst the greatest gifts, I think, on this human part of our journey. You know, that inexpressible depth of love that a mother or father has for a baby that delicious, tingly, crazy, literally sometimes kind of love of an early romantic attraction. For some of us, that time-stopping magic when you look into your dog or your horse or your fish's eyes and the love just jumps across the species line. The The activation of love in our lives multiplies and echoes throughout the spaces that we that we, that we express that love in. You know, back in his day, Plato tried to make a language. <laughs> to express love. And he came up with the term eros for romantic love and philia for more brotherly or sisterly love. A Course in Miracles has some kind of turn-you-on-your-head teaching about love in relationships. And it uses the term special relationship very differently, I think, from what we would tend to use it. In the Course's um, frame of reference, a special relation, when we are in a special relationship, we're in a consciousness of separation. We're seeing, our, we want ourselves to appear special, not a part of oneness. We might be seeing others as especially awful. Um, and then there's that, that, that special, like again, romantic attraction that often is about getting our needs met. And at that level of special relationship, we are actually, we are actually in a distorted expression of love. We're acting more as bodies than as spiritual beings. And it's why all too often those kinds of relationships can jump from love to hate or enmity. Now in contrast, in the Course's terminology, is the holy relationship. And, in the ho- and I should step back and say, in a special relationship, we tend to bring a lot of the past into it. A lot of the history we may have or past perceptions we have with these people that we're inter- interacting with. At the level of a holy relationship, we're, we're more viewing one another as Christ to Christ. We're going into those with an expectancy of good coming through both of us. It's much more about letting the past go and, and really activating love as a spiritual principle rather than as just a one-on-one relational component. It's love kind of in a fourth dimension application. And I can tell you for sure in my own ongoing journey of spiritual evolution, 
trying to transition my special relationships to holy relationships um, is ongoing and intentional, intentional work for me. I am learning that um, if you're in relationship where you're trying to meet someone else's needs or get your needs met, you're in a special relationship. Because the truth is, in this existence, once we become adults, no one else is responsible for meeting our needs. That's, that's, our in, that's an inside job. Beyond individual relationships, love as spiritual principle has world-changing power. In Dynamics for Living, Charles Fillmore, one of Unity's founders, noted, the love current is not a projection of the will. It is a setting free of a natural, equalizing, harmonizing force that in most persons has been dammed up by human limitations. <laughs> love is more than mere affection. <laughs> and all the words protesting our love are Love is more than mere affection, and all our words protesting our love are not of value unless we have this inner current, which is real substance, unquote. That was Charles Fillmore. And one more, in The Art of Loving, Eric Fromm notes, quote, love is not primarily a relationship to a special person. It is an attitude. It is an orientation of character that determines the relatedness of a person to the world as a whole, unquote. As we develop love as a spiritual power, we expand our sense of oneness, our own personal connection to all that is. And at the level of seeing everyone, neither as a savior or an enemy, Love can do amazing things. And I want to share a story with you. It was Christmas Eve, 1914, and World War I was raging. Trench warfare had become the norm, with German soldiers on one side and the British and Allied soldiers on the other side hunkered down, living in filthy, wet, cold, freezing ditches that stretched over a 1,000 kilometers from Switzerland to the North Sea. Guns and bombs would fly back and forth over these ditches that these men were living in. And the land between the trenches, which really wasn't all that wide, was called no man's land. In early December of that year, Pope Benedict had issued a request that the guns be silenced at least for Christmas. And none of the war leaders had listened to that. They had just ignored it. As Christmas approached, what had been a constant, steady rain turned into a light snow, a frost and light snow. And trying to boost morale, the German emperor sent Christmas trees to the front lines, to the trenches. And on December 23rd, German soldiers started placing the Christmas trees up outside of the ditches and singing hymns, ho uh, holiday hymns. And the men on the other side, in the Allied side, they started responding with hymns of their own, Christmas carols of their own. By Christmas Eve, some lower-ranking British soldier, soldiers, without authorization, began telling their troops not to fire unless they were fired upon. And when morning broke on Christmas Day, some German soldiers came out of their trenches, that's gotta be a scary thing to do, 
hands up to show we're unarmed, we mean no harm, and they, they moved into no man's land. And the British soldiers soon joined them, and those former enemies began exchanging gifts, whatever they might have on hand, food, they started playing soccer together, they even did uh, joint services to bury the dead. For a period of time, those former enemies opened up to this philia type of love, this love that we humans are all connected and we're in this together. Despite what we might feel when we see the news, when we see what's going on in this world, there actually is a tremendous expansion of this philia kind of love bubbling through our species right now. It is, I believe, what is behind the heightened awareness of racial, racial disparity. It is what is behind this growing wokeness, if you want to call it that, this growing, this growing emphasis on inclusion and diversity and equity and access. There is a, there's a growing capacity within the human species to see one another as fellow beings despite appearances and despite apparent differences. I believe the time is now to take this concept of philia one step further. We're living in a time when humanity's way of being on our planet is causing a lot of damage. We are in a disharmonious relationship with the earth. Now part of this, at least in a Christian dominant part of the world, is tied to the dominion scripture. This is the, this, these are the verses in the Bible, in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, which basically say, apparently God speaking, and basically it says, let us make man in our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the air, and the cattle, and over the entire earth, and every creature that creepeth upon it. This interpretation, setting humankind above and apart from nature, has been deeply embedded in our Western culture and our Western philosophy. It is what has been uh, put forward to give us the right to subjugate other species, to have dominion over, the right to do brutal things, such as industrial agriculture meat production. The human right to do that has often been embedded in that dominion scripture. Now, one of Unity's many great contributions to universal human spirituality, I believe, is shifting the frame on the Bible to, be, to come at it from the angle that it's not literal history. It's actually this body of work of people trying to understand and explain their growing consciousness and their relationship to the divine. Unity takes a distinctly metaphysical approach to the Bible, looking at what's the meaning, what's the juice in these stories and these metaphors and these, tale, these tales in this body of work. Charles Fillmore had a really different take on the Dominion scripture, and it's one of the things I think that was just like, oh, it opened me up to the Bible again, and to unity teachings in particular. Fillmore forwarded that metaphysically, the birds, the fish, the beasts in that scripture, they're talking about our thoughts and our feelings. 
and that the point of the dominion is to gain mastery over our thoughts and our feelings, right? That is really what new thought, which unity is a part, is all about. It's not about dominating or subjugating others, but loving ourselves enough to step into our true power. That's dominion I can get behind. That's dominion our world needs right now. In Keep a True Lint, Fillmore went on to say, quote, love in divine mind is the idea of universal unity. In expression, it is the power that joins and binds together the universe and everything in it. Love at that level is a harmonizing, constructive power, unquote. I was just born a little nature lover. I was born with an innate love of the creatures that we share this planet with. My first pet was a potato bug named Cecil. <laughs> no joke. He lived in, he or she lived in the flower bed next to our little house. I mean, I still remember how what he looked like with a yellow squiggly line. When I was eight, my parents and I, we grew up rough little farm kids out in the boonies up in the foothills of Washington State, very blue-collar, hard-working parents. We had saved enough that I could get a horse. And I had kind of been looking, and I honestly was surprisingly patient at that point. I had met a couple horses that just didn't feel right, and then I saw Scotty. Scotty was a year-old chestnut stud colt. Terrible decision for a complete rookie horse family, but I, I took one look in those eyes and I was gone. And we got Scotty for $150, and of course he was too young to ride. I remember I would just take him on walks and I'd feel him and smell him. It was my first true love affair. There's no question about it. I used to also, once he was old enough, um, he was so patient with us as rookies, teaching him how to ride. The first time we put a halter on him, we put it on upside down. <laughs> yeah, but he just rolled with it. He was just a total godsend, literally. And um, but then he got you know, able to carry me around, and we, we lived out in the boonies, and I, w I spent a lot of time with him and our bird dogs out in the wilds, and I just developed this love for the deer and the coyotes and the great blue heron and actually pretty often even black bear. It, that was just part of the mosaic that I was lucky enough to fall in love with and that really set the core for my own spirituality. That connection and reverence for nature has just been at my core as long as I can remember. And so I was absolutely thrilled when in my, in my early 20s, I started going to college. I, I'm a first-gen college grad. I started going to community college, and I learned this term, biophilia. That's such an, it was just like, oh, for me. This thing that I had always felt had a scientific name. Biophilia, so the first guy that we know of that used the term was the person I just mentioned, Eric Fromm, who's a psychoanalyst, um, and he described biophilia as the passionate love of life and all that is alive. The term was later expanded upon by one of my very favorite um, environmental teachers, the now late Edward O. Wilson. And he actually wrote a book, Biophilia, which proposed that the tendency we humans have 
to affiliate with nature, even to like bring house plants into our homes, that is driven by an, a genetic recognition that, that we are one with all of this life. Have you ever stood just in absolute gobsmacked awe at a sunset? Or just come fully into the present moment watching that hummingbird do its thing? Have you been driving down a highway and seen a rainbow and just about driven off the road? Then chances are, you, my friends, are biophiliacs. <laughs> Join the club, it's a wonderful disease to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we need to embrace it right now. The truth is humans have never been apart from above. We are a part of nature, everything is divine. It is all divine, glorious, God-expressing, right? Doing environmental work is an act of, of, of spiritual service. It's a form of ministry. As we develop love at the spiritual power within ourselves, at that level, our sense of oneness expands, and we get to open more to experiencing the incredible magic and beauty and divinity in every life form that we interact with. And I guarantee that doing that will help us interact better with our fellow human being life forms. It's all connected. It's all part of the healing that is needed right now. Love is also the great motivator of action. Probably any parent who's been watching their kid just about to tip over somewhere knows that. It motivates us to act. And I want to read a quote from my friend, um, Reverend Kathy Harwood Long, who serves with me on the Unity Worldwide Earth Care team. She writes, each person motivated and guided by the harmonizing power of love will work within the great body of the universe as an integral companion with water, earth, air, and creatures, star, moon, and suns. Day by day, we can experience through mindfulness the beauty and awe of the natural world. From this awe and love, we can contemplate. Where do I start today? We can ask, seek, and knock spiritually. What is the next loving thing that is mine to do? As we make decisions for food, clothing, household items, guided by the harmonizing power of divine love, we save ourselves from a belief in separation from our greater good for all. And one more little quote, it's again from Charles Fillmore um, in Dynamics for Living. He's, he writes, when love, the universal magnet, is brought into action in the consciousness of our race, by which he meant humanity. It will change all our methods of supplying human wants. It will harmonize all the forces of nature and will dissolve the discords that now infest earth and air. Dissolve the discords that infest human interactions with one another and our interactions with all of creation. Dissolve the discords with this spiritual power of love. On this very day, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter where you are, you have access to this incredible spiritual power of love. And it's one of those magical powers that the more you give it away, the more of it you have. 
It's one of the beautiful things about, about love. And today I just invite you to harness it, to wield it, directing it with intention out into our world, into our earth, toward every single being you encounter, and very importantly, toward your own glorious, amazing, lovable, and loving selves. Much love.